0: The Plan with Callahan podcast is brought to you by Callahan Wealth, an office of Northeast Planning Associates. Financial planning is hard. Let them make it easy, one step at a time. Financial planning offered through Northeast Planning Associates, a registered investment advisor. Securities and advisory services offered through LPL Financial, a registered investment advisor and member FINRA SIPC. NPA and LPL are not affiliated. Now on with the show.
1: Let me have your attention for a
0: moment. Because you're talking about what? You're talking about...
1: Money, money, money. Ah, high finance. (laughs) Bulls, bears, people from Connecticut. That's as good as money, sir. Those are IOUs. I'm Tommy
0: Callahan, big Tom Callahan's son.
1: You like Huey Lewis on the news? Greetings, everyone, and welcome to the Plan with Callahan podcast. I'm your host, Ryan Callahan. Another episode, another great guest. As we've discussed briefly in the past, and we'll definitely discuss in more detail on future episodes, estate planning is a vital component of overall financial planning. Most families in this country do not have a formal estate plan. It's a massive issue that usually leads to more stress and pain during an already stressful situation, and of course, usually leads to more fees being taken out of the estate to cover attorney costs. Today's guest is a woman who is literally changing estate planning through technology, and like most great ideas, it was inspired through personal experience. After witnessing how difficult it was to wrap up the details of a loved one's life, Emily Sizek knew there had to be a better way. However, she soon discovered there wasn't a single digital platform that could help families simplify how they organize their lives or stay on top of ever-changing data. Then she decided to create The Postage, a digital estate and legacy platform that allows families to securely organize their information, create their own estate plans, and privately share family memories so they can be passed on for generations to come. Before founding the postage, Emily was the director of sales at Integrate Agency, a full service digital and traditional marketing agency specializing in technology, energy, and real estate throughout Texas. With her extensive experience in leading, developing, and launching robust marketing and communication programs, she led efforts for several clients across various industries to build out their digital initiatives. Emily received her bachelor's degree in business administration from You guessed it, Bryant University. Then she grew her professional career in Houston at Bounce Energy, which was acquired in 2013, and Direct Energy as a digital marketing and innovation manager before spending several years in Houston leading a branch of Integrate Agency. Emily is a TEDx speaker and was named a 2021 Woman Who Mean Business Honoree by Houston Business Journal, and a finalist for Top Founder Under 40 for the Innovation Map Awards. Emily, welcome to the Plan with Callahan podcast. I appreciate you taking the time.
0: Yes, thank you for having me.
1: Absolutely. Uh, I wanna start off with some important things. So first off, I did see on LinkedIn, were you at the Waste Management recently? I was
0: uh, there on uh, hole 16, um, enjoying some golf. Actually, I don't think I watched a stroke of golf, But I had a lot of fun with uh, founders and VCs and and folks like that.
1: Yeah, I'm going to be honest. I'm extremely jealous that you had that opportunity. Um, That's a total bucket list thing for me. I'm a diehard golf fan. And I think that's one of the best tournaments in the game right now. Um, Were you there all four days or just one day? Or how how was it?
0: Um, We just went on Saturday. So we had matching caddy, me and the other female founders that went had matching caddy outfits that look like um the master's caddies basically Mm. those outfits so that was a lot of fun um but yeah no it's my second year going I didn't know what to expect from um the tournament and uh last year but this year um yeah it was a lot of fun it's a lot of fun I'm not a huge golf fan my boyfriends said the same thing. Like, Oh my gosh, you get to go. And I was kind of like, yeah, awesome. What is this waste management thing? <laughs> but again, not a big golfer. Uh, don't have enough patience generally for that. Um, I'll thank my father for that. Uh, but yeah, but it was a lot of fun.
1: That's awesome. That's awesome. Well, good for you. Um, I know you're back to the grind. You're, you're back in Houston right now, right?
0: Yep. Back in Houston. And, uh, Heading out to South by Southwest this week in Austin and then uh, in Minnesota and Mexico also this month. It's been a crazy travel time right now. So,
1: yeah. Good for you. So, just so everyone knows, uh, we had a chance to connect. We I've had a lot of Bulldogs on this podcast. Um, you know, you're, you're a former Bulldog. Uh, I know that you just did a TED Talk, I believe, up at Bryant. Is that right?
0: I did. Yes, that was on the 25th of February. And... Um, yeah, back on campus, got to see some other um, alumni and students and, and give a TED Talk on uncertainty and embracing kind of transitions in your life um, and turning them into triumph. Um, so yeah, it was a great time to be back on campus and so much changing there. But uh, yeah, I'm, ex- I'm looking forward to getting the video myself because it, it takes a few weeks for that link to come out. So it was a really good, um, good time.
1: Yeah, I'm very lucky that I went to Bryant because with this podcast, there's been so many people over the last 15, 20 years that have had so much success. It's pretty easy to uh, have some good conversations with folks. Just so everyone knows um, how Emily and I got connected is not just through Bryant, but it's because I noticed one of her articles that got published in Wired Magazine, how a cloud-first startup reimagined estate planning. And obviously, in my line of work, being a wealth planner and a certified financial planner, uh, estate planning is a huge deal. Um, only about a third of Americans have a formal estate plan. So it made too much sense for me to reach out to you. So I appreciate you, you, you taking the time to come on and, and join the podcast. You know, tell me a little bit about how you get into this, what it's been like for you. Because um, I just think it's a it's a fascinating business that you've started and that you're having a lot of success with.
0: Yeah, no, absolutely. Um, so Five years ago, really, I had just moved to Austin. I was actually right around this time, five years ago. And in my first six weeks of living there, ended up losing three family members. So I lost um, both grandmothers within two weeks of each other. And then a few weeks later, my cousin's Mm -hmm. 13-month-old passed away. And so really, um, because they were under a microscope, and back to back, I I was able to compare and contrast the the experiences. And so on one hand, I had one grandmother who was very meticulous and thought about every detail and had kind of taken care of everything uh, ahead of time. And so really got to celebrate her life, process that loss. There wasn't a lot of family frustrations and and those sorts of things um, with that process. Then on the other hand, my other grandmother, who did a lot. She, you know, she did most of the things that people know to do. Um, but there's still this element of a scavenger hunt, finding where things are, you know, it can take three months of full-time work to actually manage all these pieces. And so saw some family frustrations come up, saw, um, you know, there were little things missing and it, it wasn't, huge aspects, but it was little things that, but it's those little things that really add up and, and create some of those um, frustrations when you really should just be processing loss and and going through that um, grieving period. And from seeing those, and then contrasted with my cousin, who, while 13 month old, doesn't have assets, there are still things to think about that you know, as a mom of a 13 month old, my cousin, you know, didn't anticipate to be thinking about or talking about and, and so saw that there really had to be a better way for families to get organized to think about their future and and their plan and, and make it part of the process of the planning, so alongside advisors alongside those things and and making it a lot more authentic to to our experience as humans and and tying it to other pieces so our platform, what I always say is it bridges the gap between wealth and wisdom so we have the methodical steps that are coaching you through okay, here's you can create a will on the platform you can organize a lot of your documents and it's not just like a dropbox where. You know, you have a bunch of file names and that you have to come up with and figure out what you put together. We're coaching you through guided templates throughout that process and allowing you to really share how and when you want. I think a lot of times too, people think about, oh, I have a binder. I have a, you know, a file on my desktop, but you have no control over who, why, and when receives that information. And so we figured out a way of, giving our families and and the individuals on our platform the opportunity to have that control and decide, hey, I want to share this with my spouse today, but I don't want to share this with my kids until they turn 25 or until X, Y, and Z happens or just in case something happens. Um, And that's really the wealth side. And then combining that with the wisdom side, which is really a messages and memories component where... Um, you can send future messages. You can be capturing milestones. I know working moms, they don't have time to do baby books and and those sorts of things right now. So capturing those milestones in a a way where you can be sharing that with your in-laws and with your greater family in a private place that isn't social media, that isn't just a highlight reel. It's more authentic to that family's experience. And so bridging those together um, for the first time to really make it easier to kind of go through those steps, have those conversations and get things organized as you're going throughout um, your journey. And so that's really how it started. And we launched nationally in October of 2020 and um, have helped thousands of families since. And now we're Still working direct to consumer, but also partnering with financial institutions, um, insurance companies, and and so forth to really bring this service um, to a broader audience.
1: I think what intrigues me about your business is that, you know, estate planning is very much focused on logistics, right? And a lot of it is avoiding probate and making sure that the assets are getting to who they need to get to. You're obviously focusing on that, you know, with the documentation, but it seems like it's more so... The emotional side of it. And and that's where I think a lot of people don't understand because they've never been through the experience, right, of if you don't have your affairs in order, you really don't understand how it's going to be challenging from an emotional standpoint, let alone everything else you're going to have to go through legally. Um, So I just think that that's that's awesome. You've obviously had a ton of success so far. I've already mentioned the way that we got connected uh, through the Wire article. I mean, how much has that article kind of you know, helped you in terms of your trajectory with getting the name out for the postage?
0: I think it's really helped. I mean, one, of course, it helps um, PR and all of that. But what it also does is for kind of the partners that we're bringing on from financial institutions to insurance, we're kind of a unique startup because a lot of startups don't, um, you know, they typically go with AWS or they aren't thinking about, fully the scalability of what their platform can be and, and would be. And so being able to build our technology in a certain way so that we're able to reassure enterprise-level businesses, but also um, assure our own customers who, you know, the most important thing about our platform is security. And so that article really, well, it's great PR, and, and that's lovely, and I appreciate that. It's the piece where it really backs up our business and and backs up the fact that we are secure, we are the number one thing about our platform had to be security because it's not you know what people are putting in our platform is is really important stuff, and so we had to make sure that we're protecting that and so I think having that reinforcement it um, is super important as we build our brand and and that's really why part of the reason too of working with financial institutions and as we bring on these partnerships what they do versus me just marketing out there and and spending all these marketing dollars on branding is it revalidates and and backs up um and reinforces the security and the trust that financial institutions have in us and so it's just pieces like that the relationships that we have that just reinforce that i think um sometimes as a startup or, you know, if you're thinking about putting together this information and, and you're doing it with a startup, you have questions. And so things like that just help us kind of overcome those those questions and those doubts.
1: Yeah, it's an interesting niche. I mean, because you're focusing on a lot of regional banks and credit unions. Is that right?
0: Yep. Community banks. Yeah. It's uh, never anticipated that. I knew adjacent industries would be a big piece of the puzzle, um, but never anticipated that uh, community banks would be our sweet spot. But it makes a lot of sense. We can help them build their businesses, retain their customers. I think with the wealth transfer coming up, there's a lot of um, transitional things happening. And, you know, two thirds of that wealth is going to be transitioned by 2030 and majority is actually going to women, which the financial industry um, has been less equipped to serve. And so noticing those gaps and helping with them kind of bridge those gaps, it's been an interesting experience for sure. And, and one that um, has been really beneficial to both their customers, the banks themselves and of course us and, and building our, Business and you know, I started this business to help people and make a difference. And so, bringing it to community banks helps us do that as a at a larger scale, um, more quickly, and and really feel like we're impacting those communities that those banks are in.
1: Yeah, I mean, I my experience being on you know my side of the business and having a relationship with a credit union, it is so much different than being with a larger bank. Um, It's all about you know the credit union, right? They call it the member and there are legit relationships people that come in on a weekly basis and it's not just the older generation there are young people that come in every week they know the tellers they know the branch manager you know they know everybody and they you know have a lot of trust in those relationships that if you know you have a startup like yeah. yourself like you said coming in who's providing a new service but it is a new company and it's very delicate information Obviously, if the relationship manager is is vouching for you, um, that definitely helps a lot, you know, with you getting more business. So whether you tripped on it or not, um, that's a, a really good niche for you. Um, I'm curious if you're OK with talking today about the process of starting the business, because to me, I think that that's really interesting because you went through hardship and ended up finding something that you became very passionate about. And it sounds like that happened pretty quickly. Is that right?
0: Yeah, I, it was, I did ruminate, um, you know, for a year or so on, on the concept and, and what that would look like. Um, I, my career, I'd kind of grown up in startups, if you will. And so my first job out of Bryant was at an incubator for startups and then worked for, um, another energy startup here in Houston that ended up getting acquired by the biggest energy company in North America at the time. And so had been through bringing offline businesses off online before. And so at the time, I think it was, um, you know, summer of 2019 that I kind of told my mentor and who had been founders of a number of businesses I've been involved with, like, Hey, I have this idea. Um, I want to do something about it. I've been doing research, you know, for a year or so. And, and what do I do next? And he kind of sat me down and said, you know, if you want me to take you seriously, I, uh, you need to write a 50 page business plan and then I'll take you seriously, which doesn't happen often, but Hey, that Bryant, the bulldogs that are listening, that Bryant business plan did come in handy Uh later in life. Um, and so what I did is, I think it was 4th of July week, summer of 2019, I had had research kind of doing piece, bits and pieces. And so I brought um, that together and and iterated on it. And from there, really started pulling in people from my network that I had kind of accumulated over the years to get feedback, to, to get, um, you know, what do you think of this? How do you, you know, are there any edits? Did I you know, ham fist some part of this business plan, which I did get that feedback. Like, um, I never even heard that term before that. Um, and, and so did that. And finally in like January, I guess it was July. I wrote it, got, um, feedback in the fall and starting in January of 2020, um, started to raise money, got a, you know, recruited a CTO who had had, um, five successful exits up to that point. And started raising money, which at the time, you know, I was, my goal was 500. I exceeded that goal and was got to a million, but then COVID hit. Mm
1: -hmm.
0: And so there I was um, April 1st of 2020, starting the postage full time. um, And having my lead investor who had was committed to 500,000, um, which was a syndicate come in and say, call me and say, Hey, you know, I can get you a hundred K in like a month. And then the other 400, um, uh, at some point soon. And I was like, great. You know, you, you picture what your first day and your first week and your first month and your first year are like, and you know, the struggles are going to be hard. Um, but you anticipate how hard and. Um, you know how you're gonna pivot and and the pressures of of different components you you can't really fathom it no matter how much how many books you read, how much you you know learn all that stuff um it's not till you're in it till you know those things happen but um yeah, that's how it really all began um we were like I said a direct consumer product initially we still serve consumers um But recognized quickly that investors and um, other folks in the space uh, have a harder time wrapping their head around um, investing in consumer-driven businesses just because of the predictability and, and those sorts of things. And so recognized quickly, we were getting inundated with adjacent industries saying, hey- can you do something for us? Hey. And then, you know, I got a tweet. That's how the bank thing came around. Uh, somebody found us on Twitter and they are a CEO of a consortium of community banks. And they said, Hey, like there's this need in the, in the community banking space to provide something like this. Cause you know, customers expect I think it's like 90% of customers expect their financial institution and advisor to be thinking about these things, um, whereas less than 20% actually do. And, and so that wasn't a, you know, a way to evolved that I never anticipated in my business plan. I think there was a lot of things I anticipated in the business plan. And and not that I use that as a guide, but when I reflect back on it, a lot of the things came true. So it helped me process um you know, some pieces of it while others, you know, popped up and, and were surprises.
1: That's awesome. Um, so a couple of things you mentioned the CTO. So you're talking about a chief technology officer, right?
0: Yes. Yes. Sorry.
1: No, no worries. Sorry. So it's, it's interesting to me, right? Cause I think look, what if I was in your shoes, right? So I have this idea I want to start a business now you had the benefit of being with other startups, which is great, so you kind of understood the process of you know who to recruit kind of how to go through the venture capital stuff to gather assets, right whatever avenue you went down to get that um and you need to have experience there to even know how to do what you did um but in terms of like the technology, so I mean do you have any background personally with technology and web design and all of that
0: so yes, in some sense, so meaning at um, Bounce Energy, that was the energy company that I was involved with starting at like 22, 23. Um, uh, my role was all of their digital communications. So email, SMS, all of the infrastructure and APIs around that. Um, but I also worked with the technology team on our, my account experience. So like where you would pay your bill, um, that, that kind of dashboard in those pieces, we are also, um, when we got acquired by Direct Energy, we led kind of the innovation department. So it was right around the time where it was the Internet of Things, where is everybody going to have Nest in their home? Is Are people going to use smart plugs? Are they going to do those things? And how do they want to pay for it and consume that? Is it something that's wrapped in with their electricity bill? Those sorts of things. So it was those exposures to the technology side and to kind of understanding buyer subscriptions with a new product that has traditionally been offline or this totally new thing like Internet of Things, um, that I got that exposure. Uh as far as UX, I did have some experience there too. Um sorry, UX.
1: Uh,
0: yeah, user experience. Sorry. Gotcha.
1: Gotcha. Yeah.
0: Um, so I did have uh some of that experience. Um but not as much as I have now. That's what I'll say. Yeah. Yeah, So, I mean, I think
1: that that's just interesting, right? Because you're, you had to make a decision on how to create your dream, but then at the same point in time, I'm assuming you're using a third party for your security.
0: So no, so we built our, our platform from the ground up. And so we were very thoughtful about, and we're hosting on Microsoft Azure. So that, um, was a decision. Like I said, a lot of startups go with AWS, but we wanted something that enterprise businesses use because of what we were doing. And and the way Ken, my CTO um, built it, it was very unique and with security as the number one thing in mind. Um, And so we have built it in a way that even Microsoft has recognized that, you know, Wired article was actually on behalf of, of Microsoft, Um, because I think we're a startup who's using their technology in a very unique way. And um, part of that decision, too, was they have this new code that basically allows back-end developers to code front-end. So we didn't have to hire designers and front-end developers. We could use our back-end developers to do all of it. So it allowed us to be really lean, nimble, um, and uh, build and get the platform out quickly. Um, but yeah, we built the the whole proprietary system in house,
1: yeah, when it comes to technology, I'm just completely useless i I know nothing about tech, and so to me, that is interesting because I think a lot of people are learning about a w s they've started marketing it more over the last couple of years, but a lot of people never knew that that's a that's one of the biggest parts, if not the biggest part of amazon now is is a w s as opposed to their retail or prime or anything like that. Um, so you're saying that you went with, is it, it's Azure?
0: Azure. Yeah. Microsoft Azure. Azure. So it's, it's Microsoft's version of AWS is basically how I would, I would describe it. And it is, I think they're just almost as big as AWS. They just have tended to work with, um, more enterprise level businesses versus, um, startups, not that startups couldn't use their platforms. I think it's just, um, that's traditionally what, you know, people have gone with, but my CTO came in from day one, having worked with some of their their products before and said, this is the way we need to go. Um and so it's been really, really good for us. And and obviously we have a new unique story. So they've Microsoft has put us in different articles and we've been, we're going to be in a conference coming up as a keynote and and some of those things. So um it's been a very positive um, interaction with them.
1: So you mentioned the phrase successful exit. So I'm assuming that that is a startup term, right? Yes. So we've talked about how you got here. We've talked about your process. We've talked about the business. What does your future look like? Is, is that a successful exit or what are you looking to accomplish over the next X amount of years?
0: Um, so a successful exit, I mean, it, it it probably is defined by the person, as it is somewhat subjective. Um, for us, I think growing um, is number one, and right now we're thinking about our next funding round and, and raising venture. Which I've been somebody who's been really capital efficient, and that was uncool and unsexy last year, but this year, um, is pretty cool. (laughs) So with the market and stuff. And so we're gearing up for a raise there and, um, we'll scale our team and and grow from there. I think long-term, if you want to think about my exit strategy or, or what that looks like, I think for me, um, success would be, you know, Changing this. This is really changing how people behave, and 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 bringing something that's a major. um, I mean, really, it's the biggest financial event in your life and the hardest emotional event in your life. And so, making a change there, I think, is number one. And people are like, "Oh, that's so altruistic," and I'm like, "No, that's like truly who I am and how I think about it." Um, and and I think for me, a strategic exit would be somewhere where I could just turn that up, meaning it's a larger adjacent business. It's a huge, you know, financial institution. It's something like that that could only help us expand um, the growth of the business even further. Uh, I think that would be how I'm thinking about exit. I think as my first startup as a founder, um, getting that first one is is important um, for future, future pieces. Um, but that's really how I'm thinking about it now. Sure. I think a lot of people would love to be a unicorn, would love to IPO all of those things. Um, not that I don't want those things, but I am mission focused and aiming to make the right decisions for the business, whether that, and that will likely be some kind of strategic, um, exit that way.
1: Good for you. So the exit really is the exit from the startup
0: yeah, to being a
1: legit enterprise or, you know, a public company yeah. or something along those lines. So it, it really doesn't mean that you're exiting. You could obviously, yeah. you know, it's just moving from one phase to the next.
0: Yeah. yeah. Getting acquired uh, is really what that means. And as a founder, um, especially as a female founder, having an exit under your belt it is really important. Um, and it just makes easier it easier for the next thing that you do. Um, I don't know if you know the statistics, but female founders uh, made 1.9% of all venture capital raised last year. Um, so having that exit or anything additional in my tool belt um, as I go and raise, those are things that just help. And so that's why um, you think about exits uh, in that way too.
1: Yeah. I mean, it's, uh, there's so much to it. I mean, you're wearing a lot of hats, you know, you, you have the idea, you're the founder, you're running the business, you're managing employees, you're raising capital, you're growing the business, right? I mean, I don't have to tell you there's, there's a lot there and I think it's just, it's super impressive. And that's why I was so glad to have you on uh, today's podcast. Um, last thing, and I, and I think you mentioned it a little bit or at least hinted to it. It sounds like, maybe you found some other opportunities through this experience or you maybe already thinking of some other ideas so are you looking to potentially like do that within the business or you're looking at even other businesses to potentially do startups and in the future
0: well right now this is um my baby and i want to see it through and, and and grow it um i am a visionary type though so i have a lot of ideas i've got a notebook full of ideas um but this is really my number one passion now. I think, um, you know, we just had the exit talk. If those things happen, you know, people will ask me like, well, if you have a successful exit, like what will you do? Or, you know, there's some founders who are like, oh, I'm going to take a great vacation or I'm going to go do this thing for me. um I think it's like, well, what else would I do? I would I would still work there and then, you know, I would have a strategic exit and then go do something else to make the world better. I, I think it's not about the money or success um, in that way for me. It, it's um, having an impact and um, really creating this legacy. What I'm doing is all about building the legacy that you want and living with intention and and that's true for for who i am to the core and um if i can do that in another business after this and another business after that and and really start helping and growing others i think that's that's something i really um enjoy too is is paying it forward to um other future entrepreneurs i think there's a lot of great ones out there who didn't have um the same opportunities as i did because i i was surrounded by people that believed in me. I was surrounded by people that knew the execution steps and the legal aspects and the, you know, different pieces that you need to start a business. And so I know there's ways I can be helping others kind of build and bring new ideas to life. And so that I imagine is something next in my story as well.
1: Yeah. I was going to say, have you become mentors for anybody or is anybody reaching out for guidance?
0: Yeah. So I, I have a couple, I have to be really thoughtful right now with my time and and being hyper-focused. I am our main salesperson person too. Um, so I have to be really thoughtful about when, why, and how um, I work with a startup just because, you know, there's only so much I can do as a, as a human. And as much as I'd like to say, and, and sometimes behave like I can do everything. I, I can't. um. And so there are a couple that I'm working with. Um, one is kind of fa- falls in the FinTech space that I actually think not the core component could align with the postage, but some of the pieces could. Um, so it's kind of a strategic thing too. And, and the founder's great. Um, and then the other one is actually um, a good, one of my best friends has had this, he's been an education, um, he's been a special education teacher for gosh, 20 years almost. And he's just recognized some gaps that I find really interesting and, and also go back and lead into kind of systemic issues or broader issues. Kind of like, you know, I wish my next idea was inventing something, you know, Really cool, sleek, easy. Of course, it's always like, oh, let's blow up this kind of system- systemic issue or let's do this. So um we'll see uh where that goes. But um those are really the ones that I'm I'm helping right now. Um, but I I don't have a ton of time, um, free time, uh, to to do that. So those are ones that are that are special that you know, it's not a regular mentorship, it's like a once-a-month kind of chat or once every couple months. I'll i'll offer guidance as i can i'll give feedback you know there's some material things that um i wish i had known that i i will share or or i'll at least connect them to the right people that can help them um but as like a full-on capacity um you know that's not something i can i can handle right now i also need a personal life and balance and and that's already hard enough so yeah
1: yeah well you're doing a great job i mean i think uh Sky is the limit for you. Um, Again, just because I see it, you know, in my daily business, um, I would say the majority of people that I meet for the first time do not have a formal estate plan. And so for them, right, whether that's just getting those documents put together, but then also where you're coming in with organizing all of that, and I know also potentially down the road as well, because you guys can create estate documents as well yourself, correct?
0: yeah so we do wills right now. We're in forty nine states in washington d c Louisiana is the one outlier that we're still working on. There will be as we raise this next round, there will be other types of of complete documents that we're putting together um but even just you know getting people into building a will like will make such a difference um but then the other pieces um you know trusts prenups, some other things could be coming down the line. Um, there's also a component thinking about small business owners and, and what they need to think about. Their, what they need to think about is a little bit different than um, the average person. And so what do they need for succession pieces and in those sorts of things um, also are things that we're thinking about for our future, so.
1: Yeah, I there's no doubt that's a huge opportunity itself with the small business owners. Hardest part, obviously, right, is they're like you, they're wearing a million different hats and it just takes the time to sit them down and explain like, look, if you were to go through this situation, cause obviously like what we're talking about, it's tough. Like they're not the best conversations and the best what ifs, right? It's yeah. it's about when things go wrong that you've protected yourself, your business, whatever it is. So education, right? Just getting that word out and, and building those relationships like you're doing. Mm-hmm. Takes time, but um, it's a huge, huge need. Well, um, anything else? I mean, we have a few extra minutes here. I mean, anything else you wanted to share about the postage, about yourself? I mean, anything just to kind of help promote the cause?
0: I mean, go to thepostage.com, sign up, check it out. Um, We, you know, we make it easy for you to navigate. It takes about 15 minutes um, at most to go through and and build a complete will document on our site. Check it out, and we want your feedback too. Like, uh, I know people say that, but the way that we learn and that we're going to grow and that we're going to evolve our business is is based on um, everyone at home and and them trying it and and providing feedback and and us evolving that way. So I think that would be, um, you know, the key thing there. And um, if there's investors who listen to this, reach out. Let's chat. Um, you know, maybe there's a way that we can work together maybe not um but i think those are are the key things and really i think before any of that and and outside of of the postage too is is have these conversations have start with one question with somebody you know well start with one question um with your your spouse or a family member saying hey like you know and start lights think about hey like is there a song you would like to pay, play at your funeral or, or little things like that? Um, or what memories do you want to share with your grandkids someday? If you want to talk with your parent, just start like that. And, and our, I think our tool is great because we take something that's very emotional and in our technology really guide you through it. So it makes it more methodical and legit like logistical, but it's something that's bridging that gap with your family members so that you can start having those conversations. Even if you don't want to have them in person, like you, they get an email saying, Hey, so-and-so included you in their will. Do you want to sign up for account and, and save your own memories? Those sorts of things. Um, so that they have the peace of mind that, um, everything is kind of organized and and not just, it doesn't even just have to be for end of life, but, but situations where, you know, you're the spouse who doesn't usually take the kids to the doctor and you're, you're the one taking the, them to the doctor that day. And you're looking in your app like, Oh, this is what she's on. Or this is what she's allergic. Like, you know, any examples like that, there are, there are even small examples like that, or, Oh, I don't usually pay the mortgage, but this month I I'm logging in. What's our login. What's our path, you know, those sorts of things. Um, so it it really becomes uh, a day-to-day life thing that it's super easy to, to add to, take a picture with the app, upload your insurance docs, what, whatever it may be. um. You know, you can be doing it little by little throughout. and And that way, you know, when you're 65 or whatever, it's not this overwhelming, overwhelming thing. So.
1: Yeah. I mean, I feel like in a lot of relationships, you know, certainly between me and my wife, we have three kids. It's like, everyone's kind of got their role, you know, and I've been more on the you know, investment side, my wife's been more on the insurance side because that's what she does with property and casualty that, yeah, to organize those things, you know, to know what medications all the kids are on, even I'm sure you can put in like little stuff in there too, food allergies, whatever it is, right? Just different things that, yeah, when it's hard and you only have so many hours in a day to to get through that day, to be able to open something up and really have all the essentials listed there for you. It's very, uh it's very uh, interesting. I think there's a there's a huge opportunity for that. Organization, in my opinion, on the financial planning side is, is massive. I mean, m- most people, when they come to meet with me for the first time, it's a shoebox full of documents. They don't have anything like what you're talking about, but they will. They will. So um, let me again end where I started. Congrats on all the success. Um, keep at it. I know we'll stay in touch if there's ever anything that I can do for you. Um, you know, please let me know. But I can't thank you again for taking the time to join the podcast.
0: Yeah, no, of course. Thanks for having me. And if you need anything or any of the listeners need anything, reach out to us, find me on LinkedIn. Um, happy to chat and take a meeting and, and hear about your feedback and um, those sorts of things.
1: So, yeah. Awesome. Thanks, Emily. All the best. Thanks. What a great story. A woman who went through a difficult experience like many other families and has created a company to help alleviate that pain. As I've mentioned at the beginning of the podcast, estate planning is something that is essential when it comes to financial planning. It carries a ton of misconceptions and is certainly a topic we will focus on on future episodes. Believe it or not, we even have a guest that can speak in depth on this topic and I'm excited to have them on. As always, avoid the noise, stay on your plan, and never stop learning. Until next time, folks, take care.
0: The comments on this podcast are that of the participants and should not be viewed as comments made by LPL Financial or Northeast Planning Associates. Content on this episode should not be considered investment advice, but strictly as
1: educational information.